What's going on, man? What's up, bro? Welcome, guys. Live legit, huh? I'm liking that. We got to talk about Brand RE soon. Yes, we do. Maybe we'll, we'll run a podcast on that soon. Yeah. But yeah. Super fun day yeah. today. Day $1.0. We're back. Good to hear you guys, or for you guys to hear us. We got a good buddy of ours. I'm going to call him a good buddy. I'm going to solicit that so he can just, he can confirm when we unmute him. But we've got Eric Wood back on. Uh, well, we've had him on before, so we're going to put his original podcast down below in the link section so you guys can hear his story <clears throat> and everything. But long story short, continuing from that, played for a ton of years for the Buffalo Bills. Super badass. What was intriguing when I first met him, though, we were at a, we were at a conference together and meeting him and seeing how healthy he looked, right? Like, he was this big, like, I don't want to call him angry because I didn't know him as a football <laughs> player. But his pictures are like this big... Freaking angry! I'm gonna I'm gonna crush your face in football player, which I'm sure you had to be, you know, to an extent. Yeah. And I meet him at a conference. <clears throat> Dude is leaned out, looks awesome. We're and then like the next morning we're working out in the rain. Now I, now, listen. He arguably probably no. He probably did more more suicide. What well, more? Uh, what do you call those things when you go down and get back? Burpee. Up? Yeah. Some there bullshit. We go. <laughs> now. To my defense, to have an excuse, not that I can't keep up with an NFL football player. I've done probably 10 trillion more than he did in the Marine Corps. <laughs> I had no desire. How but all jokes aside, man, the guy was in great shape. Yeah. Looked great. Leaned out. I'd never seen a guy go from that big, leaned out, proficient, man, but still strong. Mm-hmm. Man, still doing it. We was kicking ass that morning, and I'm like, man, this guy's head's on straight. Yep. Because to diet down that much when you're, because it's not like he was just body fat back then. Like the guys playing in the NFL, super strong with all of that weight. But just to cut that weight back down and to see how lean he was and functional, it's like, no, man, you haven't just lost weight. You've completely redesigned the functionality of your body. New machine. And it's like, man, this guy's committed. He's committed to what he's doing now. He's committed to his health. He talks about his faith, which is awesome. And I was uber curious leaving this conference. And then we had him on the first time to just see where this guy's career would go. And I, I was curious in like a very positive way because I was paying attention to those details and just like, man, this dude's, this dude's maybe he might be unassuming to other people cause he's not the loudest guy in the room, but observing a lot of that, it's like, no man, this guy's strapped in. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see where he takes it, man. These past probably two years since he's been on here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Two, two years. years. Yeah. You know, his commentating career has taken off. His podcast has taken off. He's doing a lot of really cool stuff that I want to talk with him today. But if you guys have not listened to that first episode, scroll back or look in the links below. We're going to have Eric Wood's first episode on so you guys can just get caught up because today it's more of a continuation on a little bit of review, but then what he's doing now mm-hmm. and all the good details and how he got shredded and how he can help me shred <laughs> up and all that good stuff. But without further ado, Eric, what's up? What's man? up, Eric? What's up, guys? It's an honor to be back on the podcast. Uh, I'll say this. You didn't feel like you had to prove yourself that morning. I did. You know, it's (laughs) done enough from a military background that, like, you have our respect. Uh, I had to show up and earn it that morning. Kind of. Except for I'm neurotic and I want to beat the shit out of you. So I'm going to show up. (laughs) Right? Like, it's still competitive, right? There's still a competitive edge with me. Um, you know, and I've never spoke those details to you as far as like my observations from you that weekend uh, and on purpose, you know, but a lot of guys have a lot to say. I have a lot to say, right? There's nothing wrong with promotion or having a lot to say, but it was what you weren't saying that was very intriguing. And I think I might've been the only person, everyone saw your transition and you even spoke a little bit about your physical transition from, you know, the NFL to where you were at then. 
I just don't think people really pick up on the intangibles about how mentally prepared you've got to be to just anatomically change your body for a completely new image, completely different function, and how much commitment and just deciding that you're going to do something, like how much it actually takes. And that's why out of everybody I met there, it was like, man, I, I'm so excited to just see where this dude takes it because if you're that strapped in, you're fucking taking it somewhere. And it's been fun to just watch, man. And, like, that's where it's fun to just catch up with you and just hear, man, since then, what have you dove into? I think you were just getting into commentating back then. I think you had just gotten involved back with the Bills, not only as, you know, from, from being a player, but commentating. And I think you were just starting your podcast. I think it was it was brand new or you were about to start it back then. Yeah, it was a newer podcast. Now we're almost at 200 episodes. And, you know, me and you are going to connect in a room. We're bigger dudes. Um, there's a mutual respect between ball players, pro ball players, and military. And I, I always say what we do is not life and death and what you do is, but there's the camaraderie aspect, the respect aspect, the banding together, uh, the teamwork, the being on a mission, like that relates between those types of people. And, and of all, like the military guys that I meet, we generally connect very well. So it wasn't surprising. I was sitting back and listening a lot at that time because one, people don't want to hear me talk about necessarily about my career in ball. Um, and if we do, we'll do that over a beer at dinner. We were in that room to learn from Ben Newman, to learn from each other. And I was there to learn. I was here. Uh, I was there to see how you guys all operate, how you operate on a day-to-day -day basis. And I did learn a lot. And so, yes, I was getting into commentating at that time. I've called games for my first one was with Fox. I've called games for CBS, ESPN, and I've settled in on this Buffalo Bills radio gig, which is a lot of fun. And I do some additional media content for them. But there's a reason that those team analysts, the guys that call the games with the radio broadcast for the teams, there's a reason those guys stick around for 30-something years because it's fun. It's fun to be around the game, to cover the same team each week, to know what your schedule is. You know, when I was working for – for two years, I did ESPN on Saturdays calling college football games and called Bills games on Sundays. And really, I did it for two years because I wanted to double up on the experience. My career ended when I was 32 years old. There was a lot of people in the commentating space that got in a lot earlier than I did. So how do I catch up with them a little bit? In my mind, that was to do double duty through the fall. So I did that for two years. But, man, when you don't know where you're going to be calling your next college football game until six days prior. Then you go to location, then you go to the bills game and the bills gig kind of feels fun at the end of the weekend. You're like, all right, moving forward. That's where I'm going to dig in here in the short term. And so really have enjoyed that. My podcast, uh, what's next with Eric Wood, which, which will definitely be a guest on moving forward. I, I've just had a lot of fun learning from people and we've, we've had a lot of ball players on. I've had the owner of the bills on there. I've had, GMs, head coach of the NFL. We've had starting quarterbacks in the NFL, but really I've learned the most from the speakers, the authors, the coaches, the entrepreneurs, the finance guys, the health experts, having a Ben Greenfield on and being able to pick his brain and Ed Milet, those types of guys. And as I get feedback from other people, they can tell as well that those are the type of people that they can see fuel me up. And so that's the direction we're going forward to learn from people like that. And I just figure if I'm learning – Everyone else is learning as well. And people are going to tune back in when they get some value from a podcast. They might not tune back in just to hear stories about ball or just to hear about you know, who was the toughest defender you went against, who was the toughest offensive coordinator. That hits a 
very small audience. Everybody wants to grow in life. And I feel like that's the concept we're leaning into moving forward exclusively. Right. Who was, I mean, man, who was, out of all those people you've named, like, was there anybody that was like um, most impactful or unexpectedly most impactful or just, mo- you know, most fun? Anybody that, I'm sure they all stand out for their own reasons, but any of them just charge you up more than, more than others? I'll say Ed Milet was cool because that was early on in the process. And to see a guy that had built the number one business podcast in the country at the time make time for me and then invite me back on his podcast when I said, Ed, I'm not selling anything. Every one of your guests has a product. They have a book. They're selling something. I'm not selling anything. He said, I know. That's why I want to do it. We're going to have some fun. And so so he he impressed me a lot just the way he treats people because you never know behind – you know, behind closed doors, what a guy's like a guy like that's going to be like. He he impressed me a lot. Um, tell you what, I learned a lot from a guy named Keith Craft. He started a church down in Texas, but he didn't start until he was about fifty years old. He traveled with Zig Ziller. He was when I say he started a church, he put up the money as well. He had built a fortune uh, speaking, coaching, doing mastermind groups, and then decided, hey, I'm going to make an impact for the kingdom. And I'm going to start my own church. That's who Steve Weatherford, if people are familiar with Steve, that's who he moved down to Texas to be around is Keith Kraft. And man, having him on the podcast, he went for something like 90 minutes and it felt like 10. Wow. I mean, that dude just full of gold. And man, he he said some things. He said something on the podcast because we were talking about, you know, the circle that you surround yourself with. And I had told him at times in my life, I felt like, I couldn't move on from certain friends because I just felt bad. You know, I felt like I couldn't leave them behind. He said, Eric, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have people in your life for three reasons, a reason, a season, and a lifetime. And not everyone's there for a lifetime. And I was like, man, that's good. And when I thought about it, I said, yeah, that was a season of life that those people, those relationships served me. There was a reason for some of them. And then some are going to be for a lifetime. And so just picking up nuggets like that along the way is, is what makes the podcast journey fun. It does, man. Just <clears throat> reading into like, and, and I'm curious for you, right. Of like you leveling up and getting excited and, and just like where Elon and I've been with getting excited and leveling up and we're making a little bit of money now. And that's cool. And <clears throat> I'm one of those guys, Eli, I'll tell you, I can get super excited about a relationship, mm-hmm. man. Like I can hear somebody talk or, someone's wishes or or what they'd like to accomplish or what going and seeing them you know is supposed to be and it not being that and just man I, I kind of grind my gears a little bit and it's like so much comes out of people's language I think more so of like what they'd like to aspire to be versus what it really is you know and like and it's not to disrespect them it's not to to call them bad people or deceitful. It's not that at all. It's just really trying to navigate where people are at, especially like within business. And then how you still kind of like hold that line and prioritize certain things over others. And you know, like, for example, you know, we're in real estate, right? We've got a couple hundred realtors that work with us and I love all of them, man, you know, almost like your children, you know, and, and but they're peers on our children. But the more and more intense we get with building our brand and our business, there's only so much time, you know, and, the ones that are just, man, I've, I hear so many people talk about their ambition and I just never see it. And I used to feel bad, but at some point it's like, you're going to sacrifice your own level of success. You're going to sacrifice your own ambition 
because you feel bad that you keep hanging around. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? Let me mean? give you something on that. Let me give you something on that. So another. Well, I'm glad. Talk. I want to hear this from you because I, yeah, I, I another, mean, full disclosure, I, I think I made a, a, an Instagram message to you about a year ago where I was picking your brain a little bit because I was kind of just in a, in a little bit of a cloud with navigating some things and some, you know, and it, man, so it'll be, it'll be good to hear your opinion on this. Yeah. So someone told me it, it, because I feel the same way. So I'm like, okay, if you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, I'm just going to bring people up and, and I'm going to bring other people into my circle or, or I'm going to get them in my men's group or I'm going to get in my workout group and, and then they'll get there. Okay. People don't want to change unless it's their decision. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard it said before, you can't be the coast guard for everybody, but you can be the lighthouse. Will Grimes, you be the lighthouse. You show people what a work ethic looks like, what being a great dad, what being a great husband, a successful businessman. Show them what that looks like, and and you're the lighthouse. You don't necessarily have to be the Coast Guard at at all times. And, you know, financial success gives you a a platform to do that. Financial success isn't the end-all, be-all in life, but it it allows you to then – be a lighthouse for people to look to. And then they peel yeah. back the covers and they, man, th- this dude has got something that I want. Well, okay. There comes their motivation when they see it, but you're simply not going to have enough time, especially as you continue to grow your business. There, there's not enough time for everybody to be in your circle, but you can right. be that lighthouse for them. Well, and I like that phrase, you know, because a lot of times, and, and I, and I know my intent comes from a good place. I'm sure your intent comes from a good place, but sometimes unintentionally we can, we can attach an expectation to someone because we're coaching them or showing them the way mm-hmm. you now subconsciously have this expectation. Oh, so if like, if you're the coast guard and you're throwing out the raft and they're not grabbing it, you're like, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. grab, grab the raft, you know? And like, I have a buddy talk to me. That's also in real estate, Alex Chapman, good buddy of mine. And, he, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about how none of us had any of these resources or any of these tools that we have to give in order to make it right. So now that we're making it, we want to make all these things to help other people make it. But was the fact that we didn't have these things, the reason we made it in the first place, you know, like we just, man, we, we ponder that a lot. And I like when you say lighthouse, because it, I think it removes a little bit of the expectation on yourself mm-hmm. of, what response you think you're supposed to get from someone, you know, when you're helping them. And, you know, I was listening to Patrick. Are you familiar with Patrick bet David? No, man. You got to look up his podcast, Patrick bet David podcast. It's awesome. But he was talking today and he mentioned this. and I took a screenshot of it. Give once and you elicit appreciation. Give twice and you create anticipation. Give three times and you create expectation. Mm. Give four times and it becomes entitlement. Give five times and you establish dependency, mm. you know, and we can, we can correlate that to business. We can correlate that to friendships. We can correlate it to relationships, like wherever that's fitting, but it's also fitting for what you're talking about. Like, you know, there's just got to be a certain level of ambition people have to get them to a certain place before, like they're just fit for that role. And, and I think this is why business and friendships get hard because you've got no problem right. having friends and mm-hmm. question for you, Eric, I don't have a lot of friends, surprisingly, right? Like, I'm so kind. I don't, (laughs) it's not that, it's that what surprises people about myself and Eli is we don't go out. We're, we're up, right? Like Eli is busy selling his cold plunge. 
<laughs> already sold it. Yeah. Already sold it. <laughs> <laughs> the most work I did on that I'm, thing. I'm up. I'm in my cold plunge. I'll, you know, I'll journal at night, just some bullet points. I'll go back to them in the morning because when I go hit my workout in the morning, I want whatever thoughts I had from my journal within my thoughts while I exercise. There's something about thinking about what I've journaled while working out that just somehow manifests it for me. And then, man, we're grinding throughout the day, crushing our shit, and we're, we're hanging out and doing our thing with kiddos. Then we're back to some work in the evening when, when kiddos go to bed, and then we're getting ready for the next day. And, like, you know, I'm, I'm Eli's friend by default that we do business together. And I'm curious about what your work schedule looks like. I'm curious about where your intention is and how much you actually see friends because it's not that I don't want to have friends or, or not want to see my friends. It's that there's just only so much time to just go hang out. You know, like if you catch me at a basketball game, don't don't tell me you saw me on TV at a basketball game. Ask me who I was sitting next to and who I was talking to. That's the only reason I was at that game is whoever I was with. And I'm curious about your workload right now and what that looks like for you as far as like leisure. I'm sure a lot of it looks like leisure. You're playing golf. Your shot is awesome. So that pisses me off. I've got <laughs> something else to work on. What does that look like as far as these relationships you have? And is there behind the scenes like business that happens, you know, with you? because of those or what does that dynamic look like for you right now yeah i've joked with my wife that in 2023 i wanted to get paid to do my hobbies so i bought mm. part of a golf ball company called encore golf there's the logo right there on the polo that's what i'm rocking it oh, nice. and i bought nice. part of a golf ball company their number one investor is charles schwab josh allen's invested in and ezekiel elliott and it, it's a good ownership group um and they're they're taking off pretty good regardless yes it it's it's not all um it's not all the leisure that it appears to be. Golf has been an incredible networking tool for me uh, to put me in some different circles business-wise, to put me in some different circles media-wise, uh, podcast media-wise. And so I use golf as a tool. Uh, I joined Medalist Country Club. I got invited. I got lucky to get uh, invited to join Medalist, which is down in uh, Jupiter, Florida, and six of the top 10 players in the world there. And when we say, hey, we want to go play scrambles and goof around with some beers afterwards, they say, all right, the only two people on the course are Tiger and Roy. Stay out of their way, you know. And so I use golf as a tool. Now I love to compete, and it's something I can still compete at. You know, I had a career-ending neck injury. I can't go play football anymore, but I can go compete on a golf course and get that competitive juices uh, going. I play pickleball in the morning for some cardio, and that's turned into a way in the morning where I can just get some competition in in my life. But I'll say this, and I talk about it a lot in my book, Tackle What's Next. It's constantly creating a schedule. It, and I, I believe that we talked about this the last time I was on the podcast, but one of the hardest transition out of military, out of sports, out of pro sports, is that you had a schedule that was dictated for you. Okay, now what's it going to look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Because I'm not set up to work a nine to five. I'm not set up to work in a cubicle. So what's my life going to look like as I build a media company, as I have my investments and, and I pour into some other things. And so it's constantly do, uh, evolving that I actually just set up my plunge uh, on, on Sunday. So I keep my pool open in the winter and that's been my cold plunge, but I want it in the summer. So now mm. in my garage, I got the actual plunge set at 39. I've been getting in that thing in the mornings, but so for me, it's it's constantly evolving that schedule. But, you know, you talked about relationships. And, and at the end of my life, I want to be rich in relationships. And where, yes, um, I'm always trying to chase that next level of success. The only reason I work so hard right now um, in, in, in work 
to obtain more money is to fly exclusively private because I want a time machine and I'm always trying to be at two places at once. Yep. So that's my driving force, you know, in, in a financial realm, but I want to be rich, rich in relationships and, and I'm a people guy. You know, I, I, I love to be around people that fills my cup. It doesn't necessarily fill my wife's cup as much, but, but I love to be around people. And so where my circle of tight friends has probably gotten a lot smaller my 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 kind of next loop of friends it, it, from the outside probably looks a lot bigger but a lot of those relationships <clears throat> as i said earlier are for a reason and it's not that we use each other it's that hey this is a mutually beneficial relationship mm-hmm. we learn from things from each other yeah. uh I, i'm a better dad and husband from being around these people i'm a better businessman i'm a better golfer i, I don't like playing golf with dudes that are terrible because I want to learn from them. And yes, I might get my butt whipped on the course, but I'm constantly learning in that regard as well. And so I know that's a long winded answer to your question, but man, it's been a, you know, I've been out of the league a little over five years now and it's constantly figuring out, okay, what's the ideal schedule that's going to serve me. And so many people are big on morning routines. I love that you have a nighttime routine as well. I'm huge on recording wins from the day. One of my favorite things uh, and one of the things that I encourage people the most on, especially as you transition out of pro sports, is to find wins in your day every day. Because you'll go to bed that night and think you had a crappy day. Think that you blew it. Think you didn't get anything done. Well, write them down at night. Write down three wins. And there might be more, but write down three wins every night. Well, what that does is... One, you're recording it in your brain as you write it down. And two, the way your brain wants to work is now throughout the day, you're recognizing those wins because your brain wants to make it easy to spot those at the end of the night. Let's go one step further, right? Let's go one step further with that. This is also where, hey, with integrity, if you got one win and the other two that you're calling a win aren't really a win, you're just saying they're a win, so you can write down three. Should you do that? Or should you go get two more wins before you get to bed? Could you go get a 20-minute walk? Could you do 100 push-ups? Could you prepare something for the next day? Like, if you're fine, like, that's, see, and this is like, I love the content you're putting out, bro, because this is what people need to hear. But it's like the nuances of, hey, Eric's not just writing some shit down. That's, that's shit, right? Because if you allow that standard for yourself in private, where does your standard go from there, right? It, it, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Right. So if it's if it's shit from the gate, man, it's troublesome. And that's that's like what I try to do. Like yesterday, man, we had some no call, no shows, man. Nothing like not, no, nothing negative, man. Like people were just apologetic and it's fucking Monday. Right. It was one of those Mondays yesterday. And I'm like, man, I just hate humans right now. Like, like get locked on. And but what we did was we had a, a, a reschedule with some guys and we were going to kick it to the following week. But we were like, oh, we could fit it in this evening. Eli, just do it from home. I'll do it from home. And it was 6 o'clock at night before the thing could even start. But when you're having, like, those bad moments, like you and, – and Eric, I'll be curious about how you do this as well. Not having, a, not having a bad day over a bad moment, right? Like, let a bad moment be a bad moment, but don't turn it into a bad day. And so I was like, Eli, no, man, let's – they say they're good for it. Let's let's set this up at six o'clock. I knew they were good dudes. They you know didn't intentionally miss a meeting and whatnot, and they bring good energy. And I intentionally said six o'clock that night instead of next week, because I knew we would be ending the day on a phenomenal Zoom call with some agents that we're partnering with that just bought our online course. 
And dude, it was everything I thought it was going to be and more. And it just capped the night off so positive, which just led into some things mm-hmm. positive today. You know, and man, but it's like you got to go get those wins. So if you're if you're at night journaling and you don't have those three wins, you got one, you got two, but you're kind of forcing a third. Man, what could you intentionally do with the rest of your time before bedtime to capitalize and actually get that win in the bucket? Yeah, if you haven't already blown it, if it's not you laying in bed, then yes, you do have time to do something. I mean, yeah. gosh, write write your wife a note and stick it where she's going to get her coffee in the morning. Boom, there's a small win. And, and so for me, you know, there's times at night where I'm like, man, I, I took my kids to school today. You know, let's say I got you know, a, a travel day or I, I got something going. Okay. Well, well, now I'm intentional the night before about saying, okay, before I take off on a flight, can I write my wife a note? Can I take the kids to school? Uh, can I knock out a quick workout? Boom. I want to be healthy. I want to be a rock star dad and husband. Did I get my quiet time in the morning? Did I get my Bible? Okay. There's some wins. Yes. They might not look like financial wins. And, and there's sometimes, and there's points in life where I would say, your points of contact, your calls you need to make, those emails you need to do, like that, those need to be wins in your day. And if you haven't done them, you you might need to knock those out before bed because those are busy seasons of life. If I was playing in the NFL still to this day and I didn't watch film and I didn't study my playbook and I'm laying down at night, I'm getting my ass out of bed and doing it because I cannot show up the next day and ruin my career. I'm not at that stage of life right now. I might have a big time podcast the next morning where it's like, shoot, I need to get back in my office. I need to do some research because I need this dude to feel like I showed up here today because I want this to be a business relationship moving forward where I know that he's going to expect me to be prepared each and every day. And so it's different seasons of life where, yes, you may need to go get out of bed and you can ask my wife, there's countless times I was laying in bed at night watching film with her because I, I just couldn't put it down. You know, it's like, well, what what if there's something on film that I missed and we have third down install tomorrow and there's a blitz that hits us in practice and everyone's looking at me because I'm setting the protection schemes. Now, yes, our quarterback's not getting hit in practice, but now the quarterback might, might not have the confidence going into the game. Yeah. There was many times that I lied awake at night just uh, grinding on game plans. How many mm-hmm. nights was she just like, hey, you're as big as a house anyway, so you probably take up the whole bed. <laughs> and you're up all night watching film like, do you just want to sleep on the couch? <laughs> uh, we, we used to joke after games that uh, my curfew was pretty late after games because, uh, one, we were always hosting. If we, if we had a home game, we were always hosting. And then I couldn't fall asleep until I watched the film. Like I needed to know, like, otherwise I'd lay in bed and wonder yeah. what the safety, and I don't mean to bore people with football details, but, you know, where was the safety lined up to allow them to do that blitz? Because he was sitting in the middle of the field the last time I looked up, and now Troy Palomalu's halfway across the field. Well, then that makes all the rest of the defense move, and that got, like, I had to watch the entire film mm. before bed. And if I if I tried to break that, I'd just lie awake and then, then I'd get up at four in the morning and do it yeah. then anyways. Right. Curious about like the business endeavors, right? We've been talking about what you've been doing since you were on the podcast the last time and, um, and, and dice this up with however you can talk. Maybe there's some things that you, you necessarily can't talk about. No problem. But 
Where does Eric's money come from nowadays? Are you taking some of your football money and investing that so you don't have you don't necessarily have a lot of like work hours toward it? It's more supervisionary. It's more investor style. Are you building some things from the ground up while investing in it? What what makes Eric financially strong now? What's Eric's goals and in as far as that financially and where does Eric's money come from nowadays per se? Like what's that? What does that look like for you? Man, that's an awesome question. So uh, for me, I could give you 50 reasons why I'm the luckiest dude on earth, but I was drafted in April of 2009. That's literally when the stock market started going up, uh, coming off the the recession. And so uh, for me, every dollar I put in then did really well. And I've kept it in the stock market. I lived very frugally early on in my career. And yes, we have nice things now, but that's because of the run on the stock market. I also got two more contracts from the bills. And so we live very comfortably because those investments have done well. Uh, stock dividends that pay out create an income. There's different, you know, whether, whether they're um, small or just conservative investments that pay out an income because we're not going to go back in lifestyle because I don't make what I made when I was in the NFL. And, and we've structured that. We started structuring that towards the end of my career, not anticipating that I was going to have a chronic neck injury, but we put those in place. Um, I, I've made a few investments, um, which I'll talk about in a second. And then, you know, broadcast money allows you to not chip away, you know, mm-hmm. and, and where the Bills radio gig and some other media stuff, you know, they're not home runs out there. And I also don't put in the the hours of a Troy Aikman, but you know that helps you not chip away at what's creating that annual income. And um, I'm also on disability for that for that mm-hmm. matter. Uh, when you have a career-ending neck injury, you're going to get a line of duty disability when you leave the NFL. One of my favorite investments that I've done recently, and I had, you're going to talk about the podcast. I had a guy on my podcast started a company called Dano Seasoning. His name's Dan Oliver. Mm. I was listening to his story and it reminded me of a Kobe Bryant um, deal that I listened to one time on investing. And his advice was that the company, the guys running the company, you know, if it's a startup and you, and you think, okay, maybe this is that 30 to one shot. They have to be completely obsessed with it to where that's all they want to talk about. That's that's what they breathe on, and they're completely sold on it because if they have any waiver, so will everyone else, and then they can't have a fallback plan. He doesn't invest in guys that have a fallback plan. This isn't a side business. There's no fallback plan. I have this guy in my business. He talks about building this seasoning company from scratch. I was one of the early investors, and in the last two years, it's gone from 1,000 retail stores to 38,000 retail stores, and it's starting to pick up some steam. Uh, it's it, and it aligned with what I was all about at the time. I was losing weight at the time from playing football. It's all natural, low sodium and no sugar. So as we've expanded Damn. the different spices, we've stayed true to it. And it, it's amazing what they've done. And I'll give you the quick tidbit of the story he's telling me. He starts it. He starts his company right before COVID, and. He was going around to trade shoes, trade shows, barbecue festivals, and he starts making a hundred grand. He's like, "Holy smokes, I'm making a hundred grand!" COVID hits, and his entire business model's out the window. He listened to a Gary V podcast that said, "If you're not on TikTok for your small business, you're missing out." Mm-hmm. Dan Oliver now has over three million TikTok followers, and their B to C before they got into retail was doing really good 
because of the social media that he yeah. he built doing doing videos and, and connected with other influencers. We talked about before the call, and these weren't monsters. These were just nickel and diamond along the way, and it's amazing what he's built. And I, and I'm proud of that dude. Man, that's all, and that's that's similar to us, man. Like when we were in real estate, well, we still are. And COVID happened, you know, like it, we were doing like home buyer classes and stuff like that, right? And in, inviting people down to Blue Moon and have a beer. Let's talk about buying and selling. It was we were doing we were doing you know home buyer, home seller, or uh, you know just events and inviting people down. And COVID happens, even though real estate was still considered essential. No one wanted to meet up, man. Even though we were right, so it was like, how do we get to direct to consumer? And we had met some guys that were doing really well on YouTube platform. Um, and crushing that. And, you know, man, we've been on YouTube for three years now and our, you know, I mean, that, that our YouTube channel for real estate, Eric has made over $3 million in two wow. and a half years. Right. Like, and that's from people calling, texting, and emailing us, wanting us to be their realtor in Colorado to help them buy a house. And I, I mean, last year alone, we helped 140 different mm -hmm. families buy homes just from YouTube. Yes. Yeah, wow. crush us. So now our product is we've got a online course that teaches you everything you need to know when it comes to how to create a YouTube channel for real estate. Mm -hmm. Right. And it crushes, I mean, <laughs> right. So we're, so we're starting to get into like that online brand as far as like, you know, we're having, we're going to have a podcast course. We've got our YouTube course. We throw events every month and maybe we'll be got uh, some guys you invest in one day. Who knows, man? I don't know. Right. But it's, it's cool to just see how things grow and how it comes into fruition. And when you say like being obsessed and how that guy talks about like his, his seasoning, it's like, dude, I don't think I've ever shut the fuck up about what we're doing and, and how we're doing it. But I, I do feel like that's kind of like what it takes a minute. Eric, it's fun. I'm sure it's fun for you as well. Like we don't ever have to stop doing this at some point, whether your neck, your neck got hurt or not, you're going to have to stop playing football. Right. Entrepreneurship, man, we can eat our egg McMuffins like fucking Warren Buffett <laughs> and do this man until we're hundred years old. If we choose yep. to have, you know, a Dude. mission. One of my good buddies is Junior Bridgman. He's almost 70 years old. Cranking. He pivoted from a majority owner and a bunch of different restaurants, one of them being Wendy's, into being up to five states in all of Canada for Coca-Cola bottling and distributing, and he ain't stopping. Wow. Isn't that cool? You know, for him, for him, that's his vice. He doesn't have other vices. It's probably his lifeline, too. Like having something that stimulates your brain, that gives you a purpose, that lets that just gives you a sense of belonging and direction like there's got to be something mm -hmm. correlated to longevity with that man there has to be right no doubt uh, i was at a maxwell leadership conference recently and uh, john maxwell you know he's in his mid-70s and he's talking about how he's still continuing to improve as a speaker he's still writing every single morning but he said if you're not growing you're dying he said how many people have can you think of that you know went their whole life you know as soon as i retire i'm going to do this as soon as i retire i'm going to do that and then they shut it all down, and that's the moment they start dying. And, and I don't mean to be yeah. a jerk or be grim about it, but that happens. And so, yeah, for me, it's not like, hey, I'm going to work till 50 in broadcasting and then completely shut it down and play golf. Mm -hmm. In my mind, just keep working and doing my thing mm -hmm. and, and just constantly pivoting to make sure I'm always enjoying what I'm doing. And, you know, and, and you surround yourself with good people that are continuing to push you as well. You know, I, I don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of lazy people. You were talking about earlier, you know, just being wired a little different, yeah. you know, and, and, and people don't get that. And, and maybe that's why you don't have a, a huge group of friends. And, and that's okay. This is a season of life. This is a grind season of life. You also have a young family. You know, it right. is what it is. Right. You're, you're in that growth mode right now. 
I did one season of working one day a week doing some performance coaching with University of Louisville football. And I don't care if I was at University of Louisville or Alabama, I'm just wired different than enough people, even in the football world, that it, it didn't it didn't fill my cup. You know, at the end of the day, I was like, man, I feel like I'm wasting my time here and I'm getting my text messages unresponded to. People blow me off for a meeting. I'm like, you put a pro bowler in the building when I was playing at the University of Louisville and no, I'm not going to go bug the dude, but if I have a meeting with him, I'm not going to blow it off. If yeah. he's asking me what one thing I can get to get better at this week because you can't get better at 10, I'm not going to give him some crap answer. You know, I'm going to get excited to see him. And so for me, you know, it's just figuring out what it is that fuels you. And, and you found it in real estate. And and I found it in broadcasting. The thing about broadcasting is, though, I still get an offseason, which is great. And so, yes, when you see me traveling with my family and doing different things, yes, I, I do still get an offseason. But I'll tell you what, there's times in the offseason that I get some anxiety that I don't get during the football season because – I'm used to grinding and that's, 100%. that's, 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 that's what I'm, that's what I'm good at. And like the real estate part, it's amazing. And we're leveling up. We're getting around guys that do online courses. We're getting around like the bigger influencers, which is great, but there's just that grind. Cause like when you say you're in the building at Louisville and guys will miss your text or miss a meeting, you get that sometimes with real estate agents where it's like, man, you guys are using about 10% of what Eli and I have to offer. Not that I'm saying we're the, we're the, we're the bee's knees just in literal form. Everything we teach and execute on, you have a lot of folks that are like just doing ten percent, and that's okay because some people, some people, just want to be there no matter mm -hmm. what they say. And then mm -hmm. some people will say it; they just they want to do a handful of deals a year, and, and and that's it. And they don't necessarily want to step into leadership or grow something. But it just means that hey, Eli and I have to keep our own venture. We have to keep expanding, and we got to keep finding the ones that do because mm -hmm. the ones that do are the ones where you have a lot of growth and the ones that you want to you know, pour into. And I'm curious about your thoughts on this. So we're talking about the cold plunge, right? And I'm, I've got two things I'm kind of stuck on one. I'll, one's the social media part. We'll get to that in a second, but it's man, there's a whole industry with health and fitness, right? Where like, man, you could just fucking live forever. Right. Seemingly. That's Seemingly. the pitch. That's the Seemingly. pitch. Yeah. But it's also, I feel like, I'm, I was listening to some of them on their podcast, you know, and, and, and they've got great accents. I think that just makes you live longer, sound smarter. <laughs> but they're talking about their morning routine of just waking up and getting sunlight, walking on grass, meditating, then after meditating, breathing, then plunge. And, you know, and it's like, man, you guys are going to live forever, but all you're doing is just whatever it takes to live forever, right? Like, you're just doing these tasks like... I'm, I'm trying to find that balance of like taking care of my health, taking care of my mental health, doing some cold plunge and some sauna, but like still getting the fuck after it, not like overly analyzing, taking my entire day to just breathe and do the plunge right. and live forever. But like, yeah, man, you're going to live forever, but you're kind of living for nothing, man. Like how right. do you navigate, how do you navigate like this football dude of, of just adventure and risk and triumph Coupled with, you know, hey, longevity and and health and things like that in like the modern era. Do you ever wrestle so, with both of those? Yes, a little bit, because if you follow enough 
people in that space, you could find 15 things you should be doing in the morning and get decision fatigue about it, not do any of it, then feel guilty that you're not doing these 15 things. And then you could have someone else on and they're like, you know what my morning routine is? I grab a cup of coffee and I go to work. Jim Rome, you know, does a personal development podcast and he wakes up at three 30 in the morning. He grabs a cup of coffee and he gets out the door because he's got to go prep for a show that's on the West coast. So he's got to go super early. You know what I mean? So everybody's different in that sense for me, when it comes to cold plunge, whether it's cold plunge or I have a sauna that I love and part of my work time in the morning is in the sauna. Like I go in the sauna, I'm quarantined, you know, no one's around me. This is This is my work time, like hyper-focused work mm-hmm. time to where I'm just getting as much stuff as, you know, as many emails and texts knocked out in the morning that I need to get knocked out. Like that's part of my work time. But for me, I also knew that there was health risks playing football. I knew that I was destroying my body. And when I went to my exit physical, when I was leaving the NFL, I had to get 29 x-rays on things that I had injured during my career that, that covers about your entire body. So for me to be active on a normal basis, I need a little bit more than that than others, but I also wasn't ever going to create generational wealth for my family. I could have. This was one avenue of me creating generational wealth for my family, and I'm okay that I had to wreck my body to do it. It is what it is. Right. And I may be singing a different tune in 15 years, but you know what? Generations of the Wood family are, are going to be changed financially because of what I did. And so I'm okay if I got to get in the cold tub for five minutes in the morning and, and get in the sauna and I get out feeling like a million bucks, you know what I'm saying? But there's also some people that haven't put in that grind to need to do it. And they're going for that little, maybe dopamine hit that, you know what? 90 seconds of Wim Hof breathing probably gives you the same jolt that you're looking for from that $4,000 cold plunge. That's now taking up some space in your house. It could. I just get curious, you know, like when I hear these guys' morning routines, I'm like, hey, man, what if, like, what if one little thing happens in your morning that just sets that off? You gonna right. make it? You gonna be okay? Like, it, it almost seems, it almost seems fickle to a sense of like, man, they're like, and I don't know if I'm, I'm, if I'm even getting close to like articulating this, but like, let's use like weaponry for an example, right? Like, if I've got every single little, high-speed gadget on my tack vest. I've got every little thing, like, on my weapon, you know, that, like, needs, quote-unquote, to be there and all this, and it's like, am I even proficient as a shooter at that point? Am I reliant upon everything else versus, like, in real time just running and gunning and and self-evaluating, you know, self-motivating, self-soothing, self-aware, self-anything, in real time as I adapt to my environment and I don't necessarily have to like all these little quick things. And I feel like the more you, you overly prep, the less adaptive you actually are to, to set environment. That's no longer that specific environment. That is so good. And I obviously don't know that I couldn't have brought that analogy to the table. Cause I've never been uh, in your shoes, but, but to put to, for, for my, you know, my take on it, Yes. If you learn how to shoot a gun the real way, then you can pull out your gun and you can defend yourself and defend your country. If you need 15 gadgets on there and one of them goes out, 
all of a sudden you can't do it. So if you need 15 things in the morning to get you in the proper mindset to attack your day, yeah, if you don't get it, then, then, you know, you could have an ideal morning and that's all 15. But the reality is you're probably not going to get the time for that, especially when you get a family and you have some responsibilities and there are fires to put out at work and a loved one passes and people are sick. And, you know, there's just, there's going to be stuff that clouds that I know for me, my like staples of a morning routine, which has shifted so much over the years is some sense of quiet to where I can actually just (laughs) think for a minute, like, Hey, I'm going to attack this day. Lord, thank you for this amazing life and friends and family that you've blessed me with some type of movement, which could literally be push-ups. It could be stretching. Ideally it's a workout, but it's not always. And then I, I get in the word in, in the Bible, you know what it looked like this morning? I grabbed a cup of coffee and I drove to pickleball for five minutes in silence and did a morning devotional on the radio. And then I pulled up in there and competed my ass off in there. Destroyed you some 65 year old lady. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. No, <laughs> so pick, what's up? Pickleball's like getting legit now. And you've it got is. this, you've got this from football, dude, whether you felt like it or not, you had to fucking do it, you know? And yeah. like what I want to preach to entrepreneurs, what I want to preach to business people, what I want to preach to a lot of civilians that are embodying, you know, the self-help stuff in, in, in certain things. And, and like, yep. But we get into this routine where like, if we don't feel like something, then we don't have to do it, you know? And I was talking to a buddy the other, the other day. I think he, man, he was, he was saying something. We were talking about fitness or something. And, and he's like, I, I made a fitness comment. Uh, he's a chiropractor. So he's already fucking off. Right. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Eric, I won't cuss on your podcast. by the way. I promise. <laughs> so he's, he's already fucking weird. Right. And he was like saying something like, Oh, Hey, like, do you think you're fitter than me or something like that? And I said, Hey man, there's a difference between in shape and conditioned, you know, and like you got your little abs. I'm good with that. But dude, I'll like, yes, I will beat you. And in said conditioning, we were talking about it. And I was talking to him into a diesel day. It's like a 20, Eric, you would love one of these. Our buddy, Brian Shantosh does it in Boulder. It's a 24 hour nonstop workout. Every Dang. two hours it changes. So you're drinking, you're eating, you're pooping, you're peeing on the go. It's a 24 hour endurance challenge. And I was talking to him about it. He's like, yeah, this, that. And I was like, hey, man, what are you in shape for? You know, like, are you just in shape for the sake of being in shape? You're, you're a chiropractor doing those, these little mobility bands and, and all this stuff. But you've, you're, you're like this Ferrari, man, on the showroom floor that's just never gotten out and just beat the shit out of itself, you know, to just realize that recovery makes you stronger. And like, hey, man, don't you want to test your vehicle? And, and don't you want to, like, take it beyond what it should and, and mentally strengthen yourself and that's where i feel like you know whether it's these spartan races or these diesel days or professional football there has to be something that just fucks you up man or maybe i'm just fucked up thinking that no and and i i swore that i was going to put one of those on the calendar each year i haven't done one i don't have anything scheduled for this year but you know I, i ran a half marathon and when you had six lower body surgeries and you're still 250 pounds you don't need to be running a half marathon i did it on a month of training just because someone sent me a text and said Hey, let's, um, there's an Under Armour challenge, do a hundred miles in the next month. And I was like, well, if we're going to do that, we might as well do a half marathon. He's like, you're an idiot. And I said, well, let's just do it. (laughs) So to me that I need to get something on the schedule because I'm with you. Like 
training for something. Like I always say that I train nowadays so that I can look like I can kick my boyfriend or my, my daughter's boyfriend's asses for the rest of their life. <laughs> like when she brings a guy home one day, she's seven. Hopefully that's not for a long time, but I'm going to look the part when that dude walks in the door yeah, yeah. and it, and you got to look like you could defend your family. And I can, I promise I don't need to be getting any fights, but, uh, yeah, but I have yeah. an umbrella policy that says I could hit, some, I could probably hit one person, uh, under my current <laughs> umbrella policy, but, uh, <laughs> but, 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 you know, but to look the part, uh, you know, to just, you'd be able to show up and look like you defend your family. And yeah, I, I could show you videos of me doing it on a football field. There's also videos of me getting fights on a football field that probably uh, show you that I could really defend my family. Uh, I haven't had to hit someone asked me the other day, when's the last time I hit somebody that wasn't on a football field? It was at a concert in like 2015. Yeah. And I swore I was going to jail and no one ever found out about it. Luckily it was at a stadium, like an outdoor concert venue. Yeah. But, uh, Man, I was so lucky that didn't hit the. Uh, you got to give us head. context, man. So what what was the deal there? All right, uh, I haven't told this story um, on any platforms, but we we're at a Taylor. We we're at a the CMA fest. So there's five big artists in a row. Yep. Uh, my wife's friend is the at the time the manager for Taylor Swift. So they all play like five songs, and there's these dudes hammered behind us, <clears throat> and they're like, "F Taylor Swift, put on Eric Church, this and that." And I just turned around. And the dude was like, oh, this dude in front of us. And I was like, hey, you don't need to – don't be talking about me. We're, we're all good. Just you all are making a fool out of yourself. Yep. So he taps me on the shoulder, and my wife said, hand me your beer. Well, he's, <laughs> one, he's one seat up from us. So I'm like, well, now I got to do something if my wife says, give me your beer. Yep. So I hand her my beer, and in one motion, I turn and swing – and I tried to hit him in the face, and I caught him right on the top of his throat. Ow. And, he, and he collapsed down. And so then I grabbed him by the shirt and thought his buddies were going to hit me, and no one moved, which I'm like, that is so soft. That no one hit me. Yep. And so I grabbed him, pulled him out of the section, and I was like, you're walking with me. And he didn't He didn't go to the cops, and no one said anything. And you escorted him on. out. Well, he, could, he <laughs> oh, couldn't shit. fucking talk. <laughs> I know. He... he, 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 he he was puking too, but uh, <laughs> his trachea is collapsed. You ever like, get, you ever like awkwardly get whacked in the ear yeah. and it's significantly more painful than you can oh, yeah. imagine? Hundred percent. Like, yes. could you imagine getting hit in the Adam's apple and it like it like pops it in like one of those uh like a Dude. like a clear wrap or yeah, something? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you can't say shit, right? Like, <laughs> no. it's actually tactically I'm, I'm honestly lucky I didn't kill him. Yeah, for real. Dude, for real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And now he's just on cigarette commercials making a living, <laughs> pretending to pretending that he used to smoke it's, for 30 years. He's got the little robot. I never <laughs> checked back in on him, so he might be. No, oh you're fine. Gosh. Like, it's cool being badass dads. You know, I, I resonate to, to that where, like, you know, could I kick anybody's ass from, from my daughter? Yeah, I I just am that part. They're just, they just got it coming. But it's nice when I roll up to my daughter's school or I'm out with my kiddos and you know, like I'm tattooed because I, man, that's just me. I like it. That's my thing. And, and they've been, I've been adding stuff to, to my physique tattoo wise over the years, just my thing, but being in shape and kind of being tatted, like it just, it's such, but people know me and I'm very kind and things like that. I don't give the wrong impression, but they, they see me picking up my daughter in a Lambo or the S8 or something or the truck. And, but I'm still kind, I'm still proactive. I'm still doing my work. It, it's like, it's intriguing to some. And it just eliminates people's excuse, you know, for themselves. And it's almost like the lighthouse thing that you're talking about. Like, I don't fake the cars. 
I don't fake tattoos, man. This is just me, right? Like, I don't overly go out of my way to show them off. But if you catch them with me, you know, it is what it is. But it's kind of like just giving permission to other parents to like, hey, man, you can be badass and still be a proactive parent and take care of your kiddos. Like, you don't have to sacrifice your your health, you know, and, and even though it's understandable. And this is, man, this is my next question for you, Eric. Although nobody would blame you, you're overweight, your faith isn't where you want it, your energy is not where you want it because you've got kiddos and, and you're a proactive parent. And hey, every excuse you have are, are probably valid. And a lot of people have them. And, and you know what? You've made it this far and your kids are, are amazing kids. So hey, no one, no one, not only do your excuses have validity to them, no one's even going to fault you for it. And, and they're proud you made it this far because of how accomplished your kids are. But do, do those excuses serve you? for where you see yourself, for how you want to be, right? And, like, that's where I had to get with myself in life. So context for you, Eric, before I you know, ask this question to you. The, the excuses that are, like, just belligerent or you're in a mood or they don't make any sense or we know we're just being poopy pants, those are easy to identify. That's your phase one, I would consider. But it's, it's the excuses of the ones like I described. Hey, you're a mom or a dad out there. You're 25 pounds overweight. You're working 10 hours a day. And you're providing for your kids and, and the energy for the gym or the energy to cook a meal and have something that's just more healthy is just a lot harder than some quick Taco Bell or some McDonald's. And you're just trying to get some sleep and you're waking up. And, I man, I don't have time for faith. I'm getting up. I'm, I'm getting back after it with work. And <clears throat> it's like, man, but your kids are amazing and, and you're setting them up for success. But you're almost killing yourself, you know, in the process. It's like, man, not like you got to be careful because these excuses are valid. They're, they're very valid and, and they're almost for a cause. How, yeah, so you're, are right? you asking on the health aspect of it, the faith aspect all or of kind it. of just where, so, but it's not, but those excuses that people give themselves, although they're valid, although people yeah. are appreciative for where your kids are at, like, but those excuses, man, they're not serving you. Like if I lost so, my leg, Eric, what the hell are you going to say to me? About not right. working out. It's like, yeah, fuck, man. Nobody can tell you shit. However, are you going to lean on that? Because it's no longer serving you. Are you no, gonna you're make not going to lean right? on it because it's not there. Well, there you no shit, right? <laughs> but No, no, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and I'll say this. I've had the unique experience in the last, how old am I? I'm 37. The last 19 years to be exposed to some very successful people in just all walks of life. And the most successful ones, especially till the end, you know, through their life, they're successful in all buckets of life. There's times where they may be out of shape and they get back in shape. There might be times where they fall away from their faith or spiritual life, but they get back in. Mm -hmm. There's times where mentally they're in the dumps, but they get back in. And, and you know what? Their relationships are strong. They might be single, but they have strong relationships. If they're married, it's happy wife, happy life. Or it's a successful woman that has a husband that supports her. And it's amazing how any of those out of balance, too far out of balance, for too long, will take you down. Yeah. It's, and, 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 you know, you talked on the health deal. Yes, it, it can be easy. I've, I've heard this said many times. You know what's hard? getting diabetes, you know, it's hard not being able to get back to the gym because you're too fat. That's hard. Yeah. It, it, it may seem hard to, to prep a meal. It may seem hard. It may seem expensive, 
to to put something healthy on your plate or your kids plate, but it's it's actually hard dealing with the consequences of those decisions. And and I've just been so um, uh, in tune on this just from seeing it from from all these people. And, and when I say successful a lot of times it is financial success. It's not always, it, it may just be someone who, um, you know, they have a, a certain level of income where they're not wondering where, how they're going to pay their next bill because, because that is going to be enough stress to get you out of whack in the other areas. But, but in those five buckets of, of health and fitness career wise, because you talk on career, like if your career's out of whack, you know, you're not going to be fulfilled and you're not going to be able to provide at all mentally, spiritually. Um, and what am I missing? Philanthropically. Mm-hmm. I, I'm big on philanthropy as well. Giving back. If you're not serving others as well along the journey and it's, it's not for someone else that then that's going to get you completely out of whack. Agreed. And I want to get a little bit before we let you get out of here. I want to get into like, where your brand is going, what you're doing, what your big projects are right now specifically. But question before we get to that, because I've, you know, I've been kind of giving some kickback on this and it, it's a, it's a famous saying right now. And it's how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I just don't believe it. I don't think it's true or you wouldn't have fat football coaches. Like the amount of detail and energy and precision and care in everything that head football coaches give to that just to not only keep their damn job, but to be Super Bowl champion head coaches, but they're obese. I don't think how they're doing one thing is how they're doing everything. I think how we do our best thing, we should aspire to do everything like we do our best thing, right? But like, I don't know where that was coined. How you do one thing is how you do it. I think it sounds romantic to say. I think I, I think I've said it before, and and I've thought the exact same thing as you. When I've had overweight football coaches sit in front of a room and preach on discipline, I'm like, push your push the plate away, you know, <laughs> yeah. play away from you. Like that's discipline. I would say um, how you do one thing is how you'll do everything that's important to you. Sure. I agree. You know what I mean? And that's like how if, you should aspire. Like, and, and I'll say this. When Rex Ryan decided to lose weight, he got thin. He decided it wasn't good. For, you know, that wasn't important to him. But that dude is, you know, he's he was one of the head 32 ball coaches in the NFL. Andy Reid, health, you know, health and fitness isn't necessarily important to him. But how he does everything else in his life and spending time with him a week in, at the Pro Bowl and the way he treats people. Amazing. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. and, and so and yes, I think there's exceptions. I, I would say if you're encouraging someone with that and saying how you do one thing is how you do everything would be you should aspire to do everything like you do one thing hundred percent. I appreciate you saying that because this, this might be a new thing for me as far as you should aspire to be successful in all buckets of life. You crush business, you crush this, you could, you could crush these areas, man. You take a little bit of that same mindset to these other areas to to make sure that your foundation around you isn't going to crumble out from underneath Mm -hmm. you to where your wife leaves you because you're so far out of balance and now your world's crumbling because you lost the woman of your dreams. 
okay, well, yeah. well, you should have done everything like you did the one thing. And sometimes, like, when you just put the word everything in there, it can just be overwhelming. Sometimes people just need to understand, like, hey, you've got four or five different aspects or pillars to your life. It's okay to hyper-focus and build one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when when Eli and I right. were building real estate, dude, I was eating $2 shredded chicken tacos from, from Taco Bell or a bean burrito, and, man, I got up to, like, 280 Dude, I called Eli because the, the, the scale was telling me 280 I said, babe, I'm not fucking too late. Can you stand on this? She stood on the scale. She's like, oh, it's right for me. And I'm like, well, maybe it breaks after a certain point. Maybe the spring is sensitive, you know, over 200. That's where it gets out. Let me call Eli. I go, Eli, do scales break? He goes, I don't know. I mean, everything breaks. Why? I go, well, dude, I'm standing on the scale and it's telling me that I weigh 280. And this fucking guy, I've never heard him laugh so hard. He laughs at me and goes, dude, you're every bit of 280. You're every bit. We got a good laugh out of it, and that's when I was like, "Hey, man, hey, you, did, you you never stood on a scale and got that ERR though." No, <laughs> but you also played football doing it. But the point was, you know, was I was working out every day while we were building real estate, but just you know, my nutrition was not necessarily a priority. And now I'm down to to the to the low two forties, and good. I've got another you know probably twenty five for my ideal where I'd like to be. But you know. I think people just need to understand it's okay to focus into one or two pillars and just know mm. that trying to do everything like you do one thing all at once is not how you obtain that. You do everything like you do your one thing, your best thing, by doing your best thing and then just adding that level of work ethic commitment to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then when you got then two creating, of them, then, then three, then four, then five, and you build it over time, you can't just go do everything like you do one thing and like but this is what bothers me about the internet sometimes or social media influencers or i'll call it we'll use the word charlatans that are out there saying how you do one thing is how you do everything it's man boy does it sound good it even feels good to say but if you just really dissect it it's like man i don't think that that's true i think it's it's like we're talking about how you do your one thing is is as how we should aspire to do everything but how you're going to get there doing everything like that is is just adding the next thing, right? Like if you're great at fitness and you're fucking shredded and that next thing is paying attention to your kids or the next thing is committing to your business or the next thing is committing to your faith, that next priority that you decide to pick, it just gets the same level of care and effort and then so on and so forth. As you tackle two, we work into three, we work into four and then before you know it, man, you've got a body of work where you're kind of doing everything like you aspired Right, like like how you do your one thing. And I just feel like that's just a more accurate depictment versus charlatans that like saying fancy shit. No, I I like that. And and how you do one thing is how you can do everything. Hundred percent. Maybe not maybe not in this instance, but how you can do everything. You know, when my career ended, you know, I wasn't sitting there thinking, Okay, career wise, what do I gotta do? Man, I, I needed to get my life in order. You know, yeah. And, and how did so you do it, that? Like, what was your what was your first thing that you were kind of focused on then? Man, for me, honestly, you know, what my focuses were. We had plans to. It was how am I going to tell my family who think they're going to Orlando to go to the Pro Bowl in two weeks? How am I going to tell them that? Hey, we might not be going because we're seeking some extra opinions, but my career is probably over. It was, man, I feel like I'm extremely cheated right now. How does this make all make sense faith-wise? Um, me and my wife are going to be a completely different rhythm now that I'm going to be 
home exclusively for a while. Um, you know, it was it was figuring that all out. You know, what's what's the spending look like moving forward? Is it the same? Is it different? And okay, I have a house in Buffalo. Do we keep it? Do we sell it? We have a house in Louisville. Okay, we're gonna move back there. You know, who am I gonna sell my house to? It, I mean, there's times in life where you got to get your crap in order. And, yeah. and that was my first step was, man, I got to get this all in order. And you know what? When you go and get your exit physical and you have 29 different x-rays, you need to lose some weight. And because at 309 pounds, I weighed in at 309 at 6 a.m. the Friday before our last football game. And before the Kentucky Derby four months later, I weighed in at 253. You know, it's and, – and, and so here you go. How you do one thing is how you can do everything. I took the same commitment to football as I did to weight loss. And yes, it worked. I can do that. Did it suck? Like, what did you yeah, do to lose? The, <laughs> like, what did you do to lose the weight? How, um, you know, you, you said I, I, I transformed my body. Yeah, I, I yeah. transformed the people I was working out with. I owned a gym at the time and I started working out with the nine o'clock group who's mainly housewives. Because I'm like, I don't need to be banging the bar, at least for a little while. I need to let my body recover and, and kind of see where I'm at long-term wise. So I, you know, start going to different workout classes. And, you know, for me, intermittent fasting was great. You know, I don't prescribe to that long-term. That's a lot of stress on your body if you're doing it just continuously every single day. But for me, I needed to switch some habits. For 16 years, every time I went to the pantry, was a win for me because I was fighting to keep on weight first thing in the morning, last thing for, before bed. I needed to create some habits where I just wasn't eating at certain times because I was so used to eating around the clock. So, And I also still like to eat big meals like an offensive lineman. So intermittent fasting was great for me to help me lose the weight because I was just controlling how many times a day I'm eating. And then occasionally I'm eating a big meal, but I was still doing it. But I didn't eat sweets for so long that I developed – I don't want to say I have a sweet tooth, but I have an appreciation for sweets that I never had when I was constantly gorging myself with calories mm -hmm. because I was never in that, in that state where I was like, man, I need something that's hyper calorie yeah. dense. Like that's what generally when you're craving a sweet, unless you have a savory taste in your mouth, you want to change it. You're craving something that's highly calorie dense. Mm -hmm. well, I never had that craving. Right. And so for the first time I, on our anniversary in April, I had a dessert that literally was I don't want to say life changing, but I was like, <laughs> oh, I had to pride myself for three months. I was like, this is the real deal, dude. So, how did you kick the sugar habit? How did you kick some of those things when you were dieting down? Well, I wasn't I wasn't eating a lot of sugar when I was playing. I just never even craved it. Got it. And so for me, it was you know I did cut carbs for a while, but long term, you know I don't I don't think that was what was going to serve me mm -hmm. long term, but cutting out one food group is generally going to help you lose weight, whether mm -hmm. that be fat, whether that be carbs, don't cut protein, but yep. the other two, or you like cut dairy. One, Anytime I cut dairy, I start, I start slimming out almost immediately. Yeah. You probably have some type of sensitivity towards dairy to where, yeah, I fucking eat all of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, and it's probably making you inflamed, but, yeah. um, but you know, moving forward, I've been, between 245 and 255 for four and a half years, you know? So it just becomes creating habits. And, you know, when you get off the wagon, you just get right back on it. You don't let a, a bad week of vacation compound into a bad month, into a bad six months to keep it off. But um, you were asking before, um, and before we go, you were asking before about 
what like my brand looks like moving forward, what yeah. I'm building and, you know, career wise, continuing to do commentating, stating around, staying around ball that that continues to give me a platform. Like I have a platform because I played in the NFL and I'm still affiliated with an NFL team. So keep that platform, use that to then leverage relationships and opportunities to then build a brand where I'm impacting others. And for me, that's my what's next with Eric Wood podcast. I wrote a book, Tackle What's Next, that's fueled by a lot of the material that came from the podcast. It's investing. And then for me, I have a certain amount of freedom right now where my kids are young, my son's not going to school full time yet, to where like I can truly appreciate some of these moments. And there's times where like I truly feel some guilt, like I need to be grinding harder. And I'll have to like literally sit in it like, man, you get to play with your boy today. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many people that would give this up. And so for me, rock star, dad, husband, still digging into my faith like that, that that's always going to be on the forefront as well. Yeah, I agree. I'll I'll leave you with this. I was meeting with a gentleman uh, who created level three communications Uh, and level three communications from what I understand is pretty much the bridge that connected all the communication on the internet. So let websites talk it's even the technology that lets these zoom platforms connect and talk and super smart guy and he ended up doing a lot of time in the white house uh with dick cheney and obama and just a lot of powerful shit and he you know he's getting he's getting older and whatnot and i was chatting with him at his home in arizona i don't know if he called it home i think it's called a compound is that the correct term yeah something like that fuck amazing guy him and his son just good good folks and we were talking about that and his now that he's getting a little bit older and stuff, his brother was like, hey, not, you know, don't you regret, you know, like just not seeing your kids as much. And, you know, now that you're older and you're even if your kids are in their 40s and you don't, you know, regret that. And he's like, he's the first guy that kind of shot me straight. So I thought he was going to say yes. He regrets it, you know. And it kind of upsets me, man, when you get super hyper successful people and they did whatever it took to get there. And then once they get there, they change the goalpost on what other people should do while getting there. But that's not what got him there, you know, and this was the first guy that was honest about it. He's like, man, I don't. He's like, you know, I am who I am, and this is just in me, and this is where I was ambitious, and this is just, I didn't have to try to do this. This was just me to, to go out and set out and do it, and, you know, I, I spent less time, you know, going to ball games and this and that, you know, true, but I've also given them this future and this opportunity that they have, and at the end of the day, this is just me, <clears throat> and I was kind of battling with this in a productive way. I don't know if battle's the right word, but um, I shared a, a, a song that a, a fellow Marine, Eric, I'll send it to you on Instagram, wrote. And it's uh, his song, just looking back on the Marine Corps, looking back on the war, but he's a dad now. And there's just some words in there that were triggers for me. And it kind of gave me some clarity because it's like, man, like I go from that environment and being successful at it and really learning a neurotic level of intensity to really achieve a certain level. And now that I've tasted that blood, you know, not only is that just me, I also just know what it takes. And if I'm going to do it, then I'm going to do it. And now that I tasted what it means to actually fucking do it at that level, it's kind of got to be at that level or I can't do it. And hearing that song, it was like, man, like I'm, I'm still hunting. I'm still hunting. It might be it might be sales, it might be deals, it might be influencing with other realtors and navigating this battlefield of business. But it's I, I am literally like if you were to look at my code, 
my X's and O's behind my Bugs Bunny eyes, right? You couldn't tell you took me from one space to the other. The only reason you can tell them in real estate is because we can visually see what's going around us. But if you were to look into my brain code, I wonder if it looks like it's still where it was at prior because I'm still hunting. And, and, and you know what? That's perfect because you've put intentionality into thinking about that. Right. The only thing I, the only thing I would add to that would be don't get to a place of success and ignore your family. No. And not at least, and I'm not saying ignore your family, not be as intentional as you could be. If you didn't chase any success, right. just don't get there by accident. Mm-hmm. Like don't get there one day and then regret it. Yeah. Spend some time on that and say, okay, I'm going to provide for them. I, I've talked, I was having a conversation with Brian Dayball, the head coach of the New York giants. And he said, E I'll, I'll bet you a lot of money that you're coaching with me in the next three years. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, no, I know you want to be back in ball. That's why you're around. And the, the, you know, this commentating is not going to be good enough for you. And I said, dude, I just can't do all those hours right now with these young mm-hmm. kids. And, you know, I don't want to miss it all. And, and, and I had a different journey than him too. He didn't play a decade of pro football mm-hmm. prior to getting into coaching. And he said, yeah, but my, my family wouldn't regret, you know, my kids wouldn't regret being friends with Tom Brady and being at the Super Bowls and all that. And I said, and, and I love that too, bud. Like I, yeah. this is this, I'm not saying that as a form of judgment on you. I'm, I'm saying for me personally, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And I'm glad that your family is loving it too. hundred percent. Right. Like I think we'll, I think we'll end it on this, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, whatever you aspire to be, just make sure who you want to be is who you are when you get there. Right. And just that self-awareness along the way can, can just be more powerful than you might think. Absolutely. hundred percent. Eric, what a pleasure, brother. Appreciate you sharing some time. Appreciate you uh, just coming back on and sharing some friendship. I know we don't get to talk too much, but I'm always watching your Instagram, man. And I'm always dropping little, little messages when I, when I get time and watching you in the fam and just watching you be a lighthouse, like you would say, uh, as a father speaking comfortably within your faith but i bought my first bible about six months ago let's go you know so i've got that i got it custom made from a fellow marine who's making them now uh he put my name on it and some cool stuff and handmade this leather cover and you know you're a contribution to that man because i i watch i watch your page i watch what you're doing and your positivity and, and your fatherhood and, and the lighthouse you are man like i'm i think that was my number one takeaway from today is just you know, like that of just understanding how much more powerful that can be for people, not thinking that you always have to do everything for everyone, but just representing and embodying what that looks like and giving people permission to do the same is more powerful than you might think. Man, I truly appreciate those encouragements. I'm lit up by by you telling me that Uh, a buddy of mine who's in ministry, he's in men's ministry. So he's, he, he works with men at, at the fourth biggest church in the country huge men's group. He said, you know, my advice is if you want to bring people to faith or influence them, preach the gospel at all times and only when necessary, use words. Like your life should be something that people aspire to be like, or they want a piece of that. And then through deductive reasoning, they're like, Oh, he's got a foundation in his faith. Okay. I'm going to give that a shot. That's what led me to Christianity. That's that, that is simply it. It wasn't something someone said. It wasn't a sermon. It wasn't something bad that happened in my life. I saw a group of dudes and I was like, what's the common denominator here? Yeah. I'm like, oh, shoot. 
And then we ended up in a couple's Bible study with him. And I was like, man, these are awesome people. Man, that's great. What's, yeah. And so, man, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Dude, I have a ton of respect for you. Uh, love what you're building. Uh, can't wait to connect on my podcast as well. And anytime you want me on, you know, I'm good for it. Man, we'd love to. I'm sure you'll be one of those guys that just comes back every year or so just to shed some light on, on what you're doing. And hopefully as we continue to grow, maybe there's some things we can all do together, uh, whether it's business or personal and just coming out to see it. I'm sure there's some things relationship-wise every once in a while we can get together for. But, man, much appreciated. I'll be in contact through Instagram and whatnot, and we'll get all this stuff uh, uploaded. Hang out with us just for a quick second, man. We're going to start some music, get an outro going, and um, and then we'll send you on your way. I love it. It's my pleasure, brother. Likewise, man. Super appreciate you, Eli. Appreciate you, man. You always let me do most of the talking when we do interviews, and you just love running the pushing my buttons over here, bro. (laughs) Backing it up. If everyone knew how many buttons you push, (laughs) there's a lot. I got my feet working. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time. Day one dollar zero. We're out of here. We're out of here.